sounds funny because I'm a radio guy, and most radio guys don't love dressing up. That part never bothered me. If you told me I had to wear a suit and tie every day to work, I would be like, okay, fine. That's what I have to do. There's something about dressing up that I don't hate. Now, if I did it every day, if I was like Mad Men or something, you know, I'm Don Draper, I, I probably would be a little mad about it. I'm sure there's uh, people out here listening to this show that are forced to wear a suit and tie to work every day, and they just can't stand it. Uh, but, yeah, it was fine. It was just weird doing radio in a suit and tie, though, because I'm not a TV guy as well, right? I'm a radio guy. I've done some TV in the past, but I'm a radio guy. Uh, when you go on TV, you got to wear the suit and tie, though. you got to have yourself all dressed up. Uh, but it feels different because you're standing. You're not sitting. I sit when I do these radio shows. It's completely different vibes. But the, the difference to me is doing those shows in front of like, like people, basically. I, I don't have a live theater audience here. I have Jake Morin and I have Michael Bohm, and both of them are awesome at not giving me much feedback when it comes to whether or not they agree or disagree with the point. I love that. There, there, are, there have been some people out there, you'd be surprised, that have ran the board for me, for instance, and they'll, they'll like nod their head along or they'll shake their head no at a point I, I don't like. And then I'm sitting there like, wait. Wait, you didn't like that point? Wait, how do I how do I make this point good? And so it's always weird. Anytime you're in front of a a show, in front of an audience or people, you're just it's a completely different element. And I could tell yesterday, so I it must have been an all right sounding show because I could tell people weren't moving away the moment that I hit the microphone. Okay? Hey, listen, they didn't sign up for a sports radio show. They put me near where the pizza was and the chicken fingers, oddly enough, like there's a whole radio row, so to speak. So there's all sorts of uh, different radio stations that are there. And there's just uh, tables of us, right? But we were on the end table. And that end table had us near where all the food was. So if you wanted to go through the food line, you basically had to listen to like three minutes of me speak. And I didn't see people. I People definitely weighed the, uh, the options in their head. Like three minutes of this show. Or the chicken tenders. And fortunately for me, I didn't see anybody get in the line and be like, ah, I'm not doing this. I'm out. But it is the Cleveland Sports Award. So I, I think people will be satisfied if a sports radio show is going on. Maybe if you're there, you probably enjoy sports a little bit. A little bit. Sometimes it's, it's media members are sometimes a little bit different. But anyway, we had a lot of fun. I, I just, I kept thinking about the, the conversation. That we had with Renee Powell, the Lifetime Achievement Award winner. And, and you can find all this on, uh, you know, the Odyssey Rewind app is one way to find it. Our website, 923thefan.com. All the interviews we had. David Gilbert was fantastic as always. There's a lot of different fun ones. Nathan Zagura as well. It's a really good time, really nice evening and just fun to be out and about with people. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll maintain doing this here. Like there are some places. ESPN 1000 Chicago comes to mind. ESPN 1000, uh, when you when you walk down uh, the street that they're on in Chicago, I think that's State Street. When you walk down the street, you can see their you can see through the glass. It's this open glass, and you can just see their their studios, and you feel, I would imagine, like you're uh, you know an animal at the zoo. Kind of, not too dissimilar sometimes to when we do remotes, and you're out there, and then people just kind of look at you. It's the funniest thing ever. You wouldn't expect this, but it's true. People just kind of look at you as if you're like 3D art or something or a hologram, and you're not supposed to be really like, is that a real person? No, it's a real person. It's just, it's weird sometimes the looks. 
Uh, I would hate that. I would hate that on a day-to-day basis. So I'm happy to be back in the studio, and I'm happy to be back in a spot where if you hate or or love what I'm doing, you can nod your head along to yourself, or you can shake your head along to yourself, and we'll be okay. All right, 216-474-092. Or you can tweet at me on Twitter, at JPeterman. That's how you'll find me there. Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends over there at Scheibin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Miles Garrett won Athlete of the Year last night, and today he won the Pro Football Writers Association Defensive Player of the Year Award. Now, I need to give the disclaimer before we really dive deep into this, okay? The the PFWA Award is not, and I repeat, it is not the award that everyone focuses in on and zeroes in on. It is a meaningful award, but it is not the one that goes on your Pro Football Reference page if you win it, okay? The PFWA awards are like the Puxatani fill of the award season. They're not always right, but they're right enough when it comes to how the PFWA sees it and how the AP sees it. AP's got fewer voters, so it can be randomized a little bit differently, but it's a pretty good sign that Miles is going to win the Defensive Player of the Year award that's given out by the AP, and that's the one that goes on the Pro Football Reference page. That's the one that they present at NFL Honors. That's the one that you get the big Massive award that you've seen in the background of J.J. Watt's house. There's a lot there. It's actually not that massive, all things considered. The Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is a much bigger award from like a, a size standpoint. But the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, although it's supposed to be Walter Payton, looks like Darth Vader. You look like you got a statue of Darth Vader in your house. It's got to be confusing to people that aren't football people. But I want to ask you guys. This is a defensive play Defensive player of the year in Miles Garrett. And at 216474 to below 92, and I'm getting some responses already trickling in. I'm asking you, are we sure the defense can replicate what they were this season next season? Our buddy, that guy in Cleveland. He says, I think if we make the right moves, trades, and drafts, then yes, it'll still be an elite defense like we saw this season. We will either replicate or do better. Yeah, okay, that's... That's a hard way to answer that because if you're like, if we make the right moves, the right trades, the right drafts, yeah, if Andrew Barry has an absolute 100% perfect offseason, then I would imagine we also continue to run this thing back. It's not, it's not a crazy way of putting it. I need to be nicer in that respect to you, that guy, because I understand what you're trying to say. I understand what you're trying to get across there, or at least I think I, I understand that. Sometimes you can make 100% the right moves and then still not end up Getting the reward. It's like when you're at the poker table. You're sitting down. You're like, all right, I got, I got pocket queens. I played the flop right. I played the, played the turn right. But he, I had an idiot, absolute idiot stay in the pot. And then he chased and then he ended up getting his flush draw and it came through on the river. And before you know it, I, I don't get paid off. That sucks. You played the hand right. You didn't get paid off. There is a scenario out there where Andrew Berry does everything perfect and the Browns aren't able to replicate it because Miles Garrett did have the season that he had because the team did outperform a lot of expectations defensively this year. That that world exists. I'm not necessarily worried about Andrew Barry hitting everything right and then it not working out, though, because Jim Schwartz has this team in a special place. So you're like, well, Jonathan, what exactly are you worried about then? I'm worried that this team and this defense... I'm worried that they're not going to be able to be perceived as well as this team is because this team, although they were good defensively, they were 
one of the best teams all time at home. And on the road, they were one of the worst teams we've ever seen when it comes to having the splits between the home and the road. 30 points a game allowed on the road, 10 points a game allowed at home. How do you have a team that is so drastically different? They are the 85 Bears at home, and they're the 26th rated defense on the road. How do you have that from a scoring perspective? How do you have that happen? And so I feel like in our mind, we built this team up, we built this defense up, and rightfully so. If you isolate it out and you just look at the home teams and the home games, excuse me. I mean, we talked to Ashley Bastock, Cleveland.com, about this uh, about a week ago. And she had a little bit of an eye-opening uh, call for myself there where I was sitting and I, I said, we, we've beaten so many good teams. We've beaten so many good quarterbacks. We, we beat Lamar. And she's like, yeah, Lamar might be an anomaly. And I'm like, all right, we beat Brock Purdy. Well, Jake Moody missed the left, uh, missed the field goal to the left. Uh, all right, okay, you got me there. That's fine. Uh, we beat Trevor Lawrence. She's like, well, Trevor Lawrence had a bum ankle. Okay, all right. We beat Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow was injured. Huh. So when I go through the home games this year, Let's go in order, and we can do this reverse order if you'd allow me. The Jets game, you're playing nobody since Aaron Rodgers was injured in week one. The Bears game is Justin Fields, a guy that the Bears are about to give up on and more likely than not send to Atlanta. It doesn't mean he's trash. I'm not saying that. I like Justin Fields, but the man has never thrown for 3,000 yards. He's three years into this to going on year four. Trevor Lawrence had the ankle issue. The Steelers... I can dream me to laugh now or you want me to laugh later. Cardinals, same story. Wash, rinse, repeat before Kyler Murray got back. It was what it was. 49ers with Moody, we talked about that. Ravens back in uh, the early part of the season. She thinks the Ravens were just an anomaly. Titans. What are we doing here? Tannehill? Then Burrow with the Bengals? I mean, she makes a hell of a point. When you go through the home road splits and you isolate out the home games, it does make you wonder. Now, I'm not saying we played murderer's row on the road either. But when you went through a stretch of Lamar into Russell Wilson into Matthew Stafford into C.J. Stroud's replacement, because it wasn't C.J. Stroud, and then uh, at the very, very end there, you had to take on Jake Browning again. It didn't look that great. Two one six four seven four to below 92. So I'm not here to dog on the Browns' defense. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just asking you, are we sure the defense can replicate? Even though I do think it was more lucky than not, and maybe I'm setting the bar a little low here now after going through that, that explanation. But are we sure the defense can do what they did this year, averaging 10 points allowed per game at home? Can they do that next year? Or are we asking a little bit too much here? Adam and Akron up next on the fan. What's up, Adam? Hey, JP. So, um, I, well, I think averaging 10 points a game for a season would be an unrealistic goal. But sure. I, I, I think that... Number one, next year, there, there's actually a couple things. Number one is staying healthy. And that's, that's every team, that's every side of the ball, that, that's everything. If you stay healthy, you have a chance to be better than you were the year before. Number two, Jim Schwartz coming back for a second year is going to be huge because he's going to be able to build on what he did this year. Number three, I think, um, in, in free agency, we can identify where the weaknesses were, um, and we can try and, and get free agents to build upon that. And I don't think there were too many weaknesses, given the fact that um, we had the injuries. So th- those are three things that I think every team would look at in the offseason anyways. But if we can just 
add one more piece, maybe to the linebacking core, um, and stay healthy. Denzel needs to be out there all the time. We need Thornhill to be out there all the time. We need Miles to be out there all the time. If we can get Zedarius back, that would be great. Um, and then if we keep our defensive linemen, I think that we can really be a great defense next year. But again, it's got to be, you got to stay healthy. Um, and you got to add maybe one to two more pieces past that defensive line. And if that's the case, then we should be top five defense. And secondly, mm-hmm. um, our offense. Our offense needs to stay on the field a lot more. And that's no something doubt that we didn't that. do very well this year. So, you know, our offense stays on the field a little bit more. It gives our defense a break. It's just gonna it's just gonna help us a lot more. And we saw that as as the year went on, um, a lot more to the middle of the season than it was at the beginning of the end of the season. But we need them to to help our defense out. And if that's the case, um, we had a piece a wide receiver. Uh, we're healthy on offense, we're healthy on defense, and we had another hopefully linebacker, um, or Anthony Walker comes back strong. Um, JLK is you know, he, he's making a name for himself. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we have we have Denzel, we have Thornhill. Um, no, we got a lot of guys returning, all things considered. And you mentioned Zarius yeah. there. Zarius might not be, and I am worried about that, but it's a, it's going to be a, a, a pretty big return year, I would think, all things considered. I think so, too. And so from what I've heard, like, uh, Hurst today said he wanted to be here. He said, said that it was, last it was night. A great team. And, Saw him at the Greater yeah, Cleveland Sports Awards, said he wanted to be here. Yep, it's a great team. He said they think they're going in the right way. We, I think we'd love to have him back. Dallin Tomlinson, like, we need him. Um, Thornhill, of course, we need him. Martin Emerson Jr., like, he came on. Um, and like yeah. I said, you keep Denzel healthy. Um, obviously, Miles stays healthy. If we do need another edge rusher, if Sedarius doesn't come back, um, this right. defense could be, could be great, but let's, Let's hope the offense can, you know, put together some long drives and keep them off the field, get their breath, get some oxygen, and then, yeah, it's, it's a totally different ball game. Gotcha. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you, man, as always. 216-474 to below 92. I want to hear from you guys, like Adam. I want your voice heard on this one. Miles Garrett's going to win the PFW Defensive Player of the Year Award. Are we sure the defense can replicate what they were this season, next season? It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two, and judging by the callers we have on hold here, I I'm going to have to go ahead and I'm going to get my sword ready, and I'm going to have to go to defense of the Browns defense, aren't I? I didn't think I was going to have to play this this card, I really didn't. I thought I thought we were going to go through a conversation about the idea that the defense was great this year. Yeah, they had their flaws, and maybe this is my flaw in this discussion is that I laid it out with the one big problem I have with this Browns defense. In that the road home splits were so awful. They really do got to clean that up, though. That, that's a real serious thing that has to get addressed one way or another. So maybe it's my bad for setting it up in that way. But it's fine. You're welcome to whatever opinion you got. I need to defend the Browns defense at some point, though. And part of this defense is the idea that Miles Garrett was so good. And Miles Garrett did have a defensive player of the year season. It's not even debatable to me. It's not even debatable to me. The people that want to talk about TJ Watt and the sack numbers, go back to second grade. If you want to discuss 19 being more than 14, there's more to this game that goes on than just that. It's kind of like, kind of like going to a restaurant, right? Sacks are an important part. 
You go to a restaurant, the steak is an important part of your meal. There's no doubt about it. But I go, I go to a lot of restaurants, and it's one of the things me and my wife like to do. We like to go out to eat together. It's it's something we just we just enjoy, right? So we go to a lot of different restaurants, and and it's not, I'm just not just judging it off the the steak. I'm judging it off of uh, is the asparagus good to go with the steak? How is the drinks? How is the service? What's the atmosphere like? There's like seven things that go into whether or not this was a good dining experience, more so than just was the steak good. This the steak is the sacks here. You got to go with more than just the sacks, and I feel like the AP award voters are dialed into that because the PFWA voters, including our own Daryl Ryder, are dialed into that as well. There's so much more that goes into this than just the sack numbers. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Bostonian in Akron. Yeah. Now in Akron, Bostonian. I haven't heard from you in like four years. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing. I just want to bring you guys back to reality. That's all. Is that it? I mean, I knew you were going to get blown out out of Texas. I just knew it because uh, your luck ran out. You should have been eight and nine, but and you were eleven and uh, uh, six. I mean, you know yourself. You should have lost to Indianapolis. You know you should have lost the Forty Niners, and you lucked out one of them. Your luck ran out. All right, thank you, Bostonian. I and then, you, and then you yeah. got a, you went and got a thirty-eight-year-old quarterback. Follow a minute, Flacco played great, but he's thirty-eight years old. He, his, his best days are behind him. Yeah. All right, thank You're you. You're the only team yeah. that would do that. Yeah. Thank you, Bostonian. Thank you. Oh. No, that's Sid Capone. That's a different guy. Sid Capone's our buddy. Bostonian is a he's a Baskin and Phelps caller, as far as I know him. But that kind of felt like that felt like watching Babe Ruth pass his prime a little bit there, did it not? I mean, I, I wanted to treat that with kid gloves. That was that was not the Bostonian I know. It was that that wasn't a fake Bostonian. It sounded like him. That was definitely him. Now I, I was curious for his thoughts on the Pats. Uh, maybe I should have <laughs> asked him. They're going ten and seven next year. No, they're not. I've been watching Ted. You ever watch Ted, the movie Ted with the little teddy bear that just curses and is a great time? They came out with a limited series. And so it's, uh, I think it's, ooh, where is it? Where am I watching that? Is that who? No, 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 it's Peacock. It's Peacock. And it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. I am laughing my ass off at that show. It's so good. It's his teddy bear that just curses and is just so, he's so raunchy and ridiculous. The show is ridiculous, but the show is so, it's so Boston. Seth MacFarlane is obviously, uh, the voice of Ted. So it's, it's got his fingerprints all over it. And it's just, it's just great. I just love it so much. But no, no, no. Tell me that didn't sound different than the normal Bostonian, did it not? Is he, is he, is he all right? I'm worried about him now. That felt, that felt very much, I took pity on him almost there because the old Bostonian, you know, comes to bowl in a china shop. That one made some good points, but I, oh man, poor guy. I hope he's all right. All right. 216474 to below 92. Roy. Hey, how you doing? What's up, Roy? How's it going today? Uh, all right, man. Uh, love the show. Um, so I think Schwartz is a key and way more valuable than Stefanski, in my opinion. Yeah, the road splits were bad. But to take a defense from, like, 28th to first, you know, overall, big deal. And then I wanted to say, against San Fran, remember, McCaffrey and Debo were out, and it was also raining yeah. hard, you know, so – the, the rain hurts them way more than it hurts up, 
us. It takes away the quickness of guys. Well, that's that's uh, that's helping Ashley's point in the whole discussion, yeah, no, right? I, no, I'm, I'm completely agreeing. I'm yeah, saying okay. not only yeah. that, I wanted to say, since Stefanski got here, and this is what worries me, we have lost, we have won pretty much every game of versus teams that we're supposed to beat that are worse than us, with the exception of Cincinnati. Go back and look. And then until this year, but like you said, San Fran, Baltimore, the one anomaly, when we pushed them like eight yards, four, like that, everyone fought. But if you look at everything else, like five game-winning field goals, you know, bad teams, you know, we are, are – and then this year I thought there were three games that was like, okay, we play teams we don't usually play. They're about as good as us. We're favored a little bit. They'll be good tests. What were they? The Rams, the Seahawks, the Broncos. We lose all three, you know. And then, like in past years, I always thought New England is a good because Belichick will take away your – Blew us out both oh, New England had yeah, depanced us both times. I'll never forget the the one game. Yeah. Jim Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call back when people loved Tony Romo, and they were just they were like, "Why did we get sent to this game?" Exactly, but that's what like if you he loses every game where the team is better than us or like is good, we win every game where we're better. There's no even when we were horrible, like we we beat the defending Super Bowl champ a couple of years. Like uh, you know, you get one week where they showed up or you. But it's just so even keel, with the exception of Cincinnati, and then this year we had the couple. But you know, but to answer your question, I think with Delpit and Owusu coming into their prime, if we have Schwartz back, I think they can only get a little bit better. That's big. Those, I mean, Owusu by the end of the season was amazing. He's amazing. He's one of the best linebackers in the game now. Oh yeah, and then Delpit was looking great when he went out, and so if all the guys get better and whatnot, you know, and they pick up one or two good guys. I can't see how they would get worse. All right. Thank you, Roy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. I appreciate you. Two one six four seven four to below 92. I'm asking you guys simply because uh, Miles is going to win. He won the PFWA award today for Defensive Player of the Year. And when you win Defensive Player of the Year, you got to ask yourself, with, with the way this defense did play, can they replicate what they were this season, next season? And what's interesting is that in kind of talking it out, I wonder if people are coming to the realization that maybe we did overrate this defense just a little bit. And maybe they were good. We know they were good. But maybe they weren't the juggernaut that maybe we once thought they were. And that's okay. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to rag on it. I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, bring up anything bad or open up any what we thought were going to be closed wounds or anything. No, nah, I'm not doing that. I honestly, what I thought I was going to do in this segment is I thought I was going to defend the idea that I'm not worried about them taking a step back. Maybe some of our points, though, are kind of leading to that. right? I, I believe this team can get better, and I do think they have a higher place to get to while also being able to see if Miles goes from A-plus to a solid A, that doesn't mean we all of a sudden have to see everyone else take that step back. We talk about JOK being now one of the best linebackers in the league. We have the best cornerback room in the entire league as well. Next year is going to be unquestionably tougher. There's no doubt about it. The only concern you'd have in clapping back on this, and it's a true concern, is that Lamar has only cemented the offensive moves they made, benefited him, and helped him out. Joe Burrow is going to be healthy and get back to being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. 
And the Steelers still suck, but that's that's the Steelers. They still win nine or ten games. They're still going to get you. For whatever reason, every year for the previous half decade, we split one and one with the Steelers anyway. They're still going to be all right. The AFC North is going to be really tough. From a quarterback standpoint, it's going to be really tough. And the AFC is going to be really tough as well. Jim Harbaugh just landed with the Chargers. What does that do for Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert, who's been the same quarterback in year one as he is in year three. It's incredible to watch how he's had zero uptick in production from zero one, zero, uh, year one, excuse me, to year three. It's not supposed to work that way. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Sean and Kent up next. What's up, Sean? Hey, man. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Uh, not a whole lot. I'm just tired of these people <laughs> that call in and complain about games that we won. <laughs> Can't take it. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And especially the 49ers game, it's like, Hopkins missed a field goal in that game, too. You know? Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the game, it would have been just to tie it if they would have made the game, if Hopkins would have made it. It's just like, give me a break. I'm happy a lot of Browns fans aren't bringing that one up right now as we approach an NFC title game weekend. I'm happy they're not trying to, we're not trying to like relive that game and act like we really were the most dominant team in the world. It was a great win. Great win, Sean, as you said. There's no doubt about it. And we should be happy about that. But it happened in week five. It was a, we were a different team by the end of it. They were a completely different team, too. Absolutely. Fair All right. enough. All right, Sean. Thank you, man. Appreciate you calling in. Bye. Later. All right. Good stuff. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at JP. When we come on back, does Miles Dominance have a shelf life? We'll play what Brian Baldinger had to say about that. And also, I've changed my mind. I've got a right to it. You guys know that. But I'm happy I'm doing it. It's overtime with John of the Beatle in here with you on the fan. I treat this, I treat sports radio like I work in like a, like the stock market or something. And I'm like, I need to have 12 million monitors up and I need to have so many things around me. It's completely unnecessary, but it just makes me smile. And so I have a million different monitors up and I'm playing around with this in between the break. And it's one of those things where I am just, I am just spending way too much time, way too much time trying to make sure that this technology like works and figures itself out. Sometimes you just got to wave the white flag. Live to fight another day would be my suggestion there. It is fun, though, when you order things. I ordered this thing for my car, and it's one of those things that connects. It makes your car play connect wirelessly through uh, through Wi-Fi and Bluetooth automatically when you get in the car. And I was like, no way this works. But I had to buy it because I, I have been having problems with that. And I'm like, I got to buy it. And it has worked flawlessly. The joy you get when you order something and then it works as advertised and then it's just awesome and a great addition in your life, can't beat it. Can't beat it. So that was a really good one from Amazon. I appreciate that. All right, hey, we've uh, archived all the past episodes so you can hear what you missed, but don't miss the next live episode of Carmen and Lima's Emerging Podcast Scene, Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 10.15, presented by Extend Technologies on 92.3 The Fan Extra Channel, part of the Odyssey app. All right, so, you know, in talking about the defense, we obviously have to address Miles in a lot of different ways, and I'm fascinated by some of the responses we heard in regards to whether or not Miles Garrett can do this again. You know, we brought up J.J. Watt earlier. J.J. Watt has been a three-time Defensive Player of the Year winner. Uh, Aaron Donald has been a three-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner. Like, these guys, you can string them off. The problem with Miles in that discussion, though, is the fact that Miles, 28 years old, about to be 29 next year, He's 28, not 38, so I don't know really truly what I'm missing here. 
I was hearing a lot of guys talk earlier today, and I heard this on Nick and Dustin's show. We'll have a little snippet of it in the fan focus as well. And they, they were trying to figure out when it comes to Miles, if he wasn't as honest about his injuries. And if the Browns weren't as honest about his injuries. Because when you go two months and you have one sack and you're one of the best pass rushers in the game, there's some red flags that pop up as to what's going on. And we know, again, we know what happened as far as the one injury. But was he playing with one arm? Or was he really just not having as good of a game when it comes to sacking players? And I think we watched enough games to know Miles Garrett was awesome in that two-month stretch. I'm not going to tell you that he wasn't. I think it would have been different if it corresponded in a way where he was bad in that two-month stretch and also didn't get sacks. But he was awesome, genuinely awesome in that two-month stretch and just didn't have the sack numbers. So I said it's like like a restaurant. I I told you this last segment. Odyssey Rewind, go back and listen to it the first time I told you, but I feel like it bears repeating. You go to a restaurant. I personally I like going to restaurants. If I'm if I'm ordering the steak, yeah, I want the steak to be good. The steak is the sexier, right? It's the most important part, obviously. But I don't judge a restaurant based off of just the steak. I judge it off of how was the cocktails, how was the atmosphere, how was the service, how was the the parking situation. Everything and anything gets thrown into the equation before I give you a, a restaurant review. Before I tell my friends they need to check out this place. But I, I did some research before the show got underway, and I was trying to figure out, because I thought way too many people were trying to make it seem like Miles was 35 years old trying to get up to the quarterbacks. It kind of surprised me how being in your 20s really, truly is. We know it's your football prime. We know it's your athletic prime. But since 2007, out of the top 15 sack seasons, Only one of them came from someone in their 30s, and that was Robert Mathis. 32 years old, had 19 and a half sacks, which is crazy. How about top 15 quarterback hits since 2007? Arbitrary year two. I just chose 2007 because it's where my my clicker ended up going. All 15 out of the top 15 were players that were in their 20s, and T.J. Watt this year is the only player that was at 29 years old. Eight of those 15 now came with guys with the last name Watt. Tells you all everything you need to know about that family, and it wasn't Derek, I'll tell you that much. The bet I'd be making with Miles, though, is that I've never seen someone physically look the way that he does. He looks like a cartoon artist room, like he came from a lab. It's insane how physically gifted he is. Only other player I've ever seen come close to him in that department just physically as fit as it gets for the sport they play is LeBron, who is going to play into his 40s. The bet the Browns have to be making here is that Miles Garrett is going to threaten how far the body can go when it comes to being able to play and being able to play at a high level. 216474 to below 92. Brandon and Maple Heights up next on the fan. What's up, Brandon? Hey, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Love the show, man. Oh, they you, just wanted uh, to prove your point. I mean, even in baseball, look at most high young winners don't win the most games either. You know what I mean? So I think we're getting more away from that in football like we did baseball to prove your point, you know? Oh, I like that. Yeah, we we put together. Wins aren't everything. Yeah, thank you again very much for having me, man. Oh, great. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you. All right. Quick and easy to the point. It's a good point, too. You know, with baseball... It makes a lot of people mad, and so I'm not going to spend all day on it because there's still a a segment of people that love the idea of wins and losses for pitchers being the end-all, be-all. But we, we we know wins and losses aren't reflective 
of the starting pitcher in a way that a lot of people once perceived them to be. You can win 20 games, and it used to be you win 20 games, you win the Cy Young Award. It's just no longer the case now. It helps, sure. I would say, I would make an argument, though, that I think in baseball, because you guys know I love baseball, I think in baseball we've devalued wins and losses to a point where I don't think it comes close to what the the comp would be when it comes to the NFL and a pass rusher. Because we still care about the sacks. We still value the sacks to a really high way. I would say sacks are closer to like what your ERA is, where maybe we understand that there are better ways to gauge ERA than just the standard classic ERA. FIP would be what comes to mind. But that's, again, we're not getting geeky here. We're not getting uh, a baseball Baseball analytical guy on you here. There's better ways to judge that, obviously. The same way there's better ways to judge who's actually getting to the quarterback the best. We have all those numbers. Mike Sando was on with us about a month ago. He was just spewing out Miles Garrett advanced analytical numbers like it was the easiest thing in the world to him because there were so many to choose from and there were so many that you and I had never heard of before, but they all came to the same conclusion that Miles Garrett is just awesome at football. Like sometimes you'll find the baseball player and the pitcher in particular that does get a lot of wins, has the low ERA, and then you look at the advanced analytics, it's like, oh, yeah, he's awesome. Gibson in 68 is always going to look awesome. It doesn't matter what metric you spit out, he's going to always look awesome. Miles Garrett is that way, too. It's not like he was bad with the sack totals, but the sacks do matter. They just don't matter in the way that it means you should win the entire Defensive Player of the Year award because you had more sacks than somebody else. We care about how often you're double team now. We care about the pressures on the quarterbacks. We care about the hits you have on the quarterbacks. The game-changing plays you can make that don't necessarily show up in the box score have never been more prevalent than what they are now. And I gotta, I gotta commend, cause we only have the PFW on this and giving him the Defensive Player of the Year award. We don't have the AP award yet, so I can't commend him, but I imagine it's gonna go that way. We gotta commend the PFWA for not just taking the easy route and, uh, and actually watching with their own eyeballs. It's not like Miles Garrett was on a bunch of national television this year. Now, I think a couple things have helped out in that respect. I really do. You know, I do believe the idea that although we had two national games this year, everyone owns the red zone. And if you're an AP voter like Mike Sando, for instance, He's the one we had on a couple weeks ago, and so that's the one that is coming to my mind. We did have another. We had another, uh, shoot, who was our other? Oh, Aaron Schatz. Aaron Schatz was the other one. Aaron Schatz and Mike Sando both own AP votes. Both came on our show here uh, within the past two or three weeks. Both of those guys own NFL League Pass. Promise my life on it. Both of those guys own an NFL League Pass. They watch the condensed games, and if not, they're watching Red Zone. And on Sundays, they're taking all this stuff in. They are. This is not This is not 1990. You know, I always talk about this with Bo Jackson. I make a lot of people mad with my Bo Jackson takes, and I'm not going to give you my Bo Jackson takes right now. Uh, but, you know, part of the defense of Bo Jackson and being as, as perceived as he was is he played a lot of 4 o'clock games. Played a lot of 4 o'clock games, and so a lot of people got to watch Bo Jackson play because he was on your television a lot because he was on the 4 o'clock games. Okay. Saw him a little bit more. Able to digest him a little bit more than, let's say, a player that you were watching in the 1 o'clock window consistently, and only time you really ever saw them is when they took on the Browns. 
I mean, this is just, this is just, we've advanced. Brian Baldinger on Afternoon Drive had this to say about Miles Garrett and where the season is. I do. I mean, they played the entire year basically without Nick Chubb. He's the best player. Um, you know, you take the best player off anybody's team, and are they making a championship run? Generally not. If you took Mahomes off, they're not. I mean, if you took Lamar off, Baltimore's not making this run. And Nick Chubb's their best player. So I don't know what's, what health he's going to have next year. But he's come back from this injury before. I think he comes back. I talked to Joe Flacco today for a long time. He wants to come back. I think they should bring him back. I don't know if what their situation is going to be. But it's good to have a, a quality backup guy that can really help anybody, any quarterback in any offense, out at any time during the season just because of his knowledge of the game and what he's been through. And then defensively, they're not that far away, although I'm a little concerned about what we saw from Miles Garrett's second half of the season. He just didn't look like the same player, didn't have the same impact in games, and I just wonder, like, what's going on, if there's going to be a drop-off, or if he can just return to being, you know, one of the league's most feared players. The bet I would make is that there isn't a drop-off. I think he is so physically well-built that I think Miles Garrett will be more than fine. More than fine. I'm happy he's cleaning up in award season, too, by the way. Athlete of the Year last night, PFWA Defensive Player of the Year, AP's on the horizon. It's good to be Miles Garrett. I just get mad at the people that, despite all the great things he accomplished this year, just want to focus on the other aspects of Miles Garrett. Like, come on, what else can he do? What else can he do? All right, we come on back. We got to get to the fan focus. We got a busy 9 o'clock and a 10 o'clock hour. Kevin Spencer at 10 o'clock. Here's a taste of what you're going to hear in the fan focus. Guys, the rings conversation in and of itself, if all you do is, well, six wings is more than five wings, and five wings is more than four wings. If that's your only analysis, quite frankly, stop analyzing. <laughs> all right. Well, you'll hear what Nick Nick had to say about that. That got fiery, didn't it? I love that. All right. Uh, more with the fan focus. We'll come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan.